You're listening to episode four in the ADU series. Stace and I sit down with Phil, who's a builder here in Denver, and we talk about what it takes to build an ADU in Denver, which is not a very simple process. So enjoy the show. And of course, make sure you check out the website, denverinvestmentrealestate.com forward slash ADU for all the other resources. Enjoy the show. Listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here, and we have another episode in our ADU series. Today, we have a builder in the studio to talk to us about what an ADU costs and all their details about going from design and concept to having a finished product in the back of your yard. My co-host is Stacey Rosansky. Stacy is our uh, agent on our team, our in-house ADU expert. Stacy, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. And our guest today is Phil Daunton with Pren Valley Builders, and his company does design and build for residential additions, ADUs, pop-tops all around the Denver area. Phil, good morning. Glad to have you in the studio. Morning. Good to be here. So the biggest question I know me and probably a thousand people listening to this have is how much does an ADU cost? That's a loaded question, but we, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a range. It can go anywhere from 150K to 250K. It could even go higher than that, depending on finish level. But I think uh, anywhere from, it depends on what you're going for. If you want a cottage style, small unit, that's, that's a little bit more quaint, uh, being for your buck, just trying to get, uh, you know, Airbnbers in there and have a nice space for them. You, you can probably stay around that 150 mark. But if you want that garage underneath, uh, rooftop deck, all that, all that kind of stuff added in there, we've done a couple that are pushing 250 and over. Uh, but there, there's a, really a range in there, and it depends. There's site constraints as well, depending on how big your site is, how small your site is, and. Uh, yeah, finishes, I'd say, is the biggest biggest one on that, too. All right. So 150, 250 with our classic answer of it all depends. Right. Um, <laughs> which leads us to like, you know, that that's the question. I mean, we get all the time. I'm sure you do get all the time, too, Phil. Um, but taking a step back from there, you know, just a lot of people out there are interested in ADUs. They have a house with a lot that allows for an ADU and they want to explore building one. Where do people start when they, when they, where do people start in the process and where do you step in to help them out? So we're a design, like, like you said, Chris, we're, we're a design build outfit. So we start from the very beginning and it's, it's quite a long process, especially in the Denver area, because Denver takes it, takes the ADU process very seriously. And they want to make sure that you're building the right structure for the space for within zoning and all of those design details, um, that, that make make the building work uh, and fall into Denver's site constraints. And the first step in the process is really just understanding what space you're looking to create. So um, schematic design or preliminary design, as we call it, and just get a feel for what what you're trying to do, uh, see if it abides by zoning. Um, so before we even really start the preliminary design, we'll talk about concept and then compare that with Denver's zoning and make sure that it's even plausible or feasible um, to make happen. So make space. sure I understand this. So, you know, I, t- I call you on the phone, mm-hmm. um, say, I want to build an ADU. I want to put one in the backyard to an Airbnb it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you say we'll do a schematic design. Yep. What, I mean, how long does that take and what does that cost? Schematic design, it, and again, it depends on the size of the structure. And uh, if you're doing a small cottage unit, maybe the schematic design's a couple thousand dollars. Um, maybe if you're doing a huge or large ADU, it could be a few thousand dollars just to go through all the zoning parameters, build some preliminary drawings, get somebody on site to to meet with you and and go through all those preliminary steps. So the preliminary steps, I mean, okay, so a few thousand dollars, obviously you're, you're, you're sounds like doing all the basic due diligence of zoning, setbacks, building all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, do a lot of clients move forward with that or are they, they want to know like, hey, can I actually build one first? Is there like a, an in in between stuff people can do, or is just hey, you got if you want to explore this, plan on doing a couple thousand dollars to do diligence, and that's just the cost of doing business. No, it's you know we we kind of work with clients if they're if they're trying to figure out if it's plausible. We'll, we'll you know it takes maybe an hour worth of research, and we'll just do that preliminary research to make sure it's feasible. And if it's feasible, and if from like a zoning from aspect. a zoning aspect, you're not going yeah. out to the site and measuring setbacks. You're stuck on zoning. Yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. So we'll meet with them. We'll tell them our business model. We'll tell them whether or not the their site is zoned for an ADU. And if it isn't, then the process to get it zoned for an ADU because that's an option as well. Uh, but and then making sure that their budget. It aligns with with the project that they want to create. So when you say, I just want to make sure we're understanding for your firm, design build, would a, would somebody, a client need to contact anybody else or they go to you and you handle all the process from... One-stop you. shop. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. So they come to us. We've done a few of these already. You know, we, we've got our hands on a little bit of everything. So we know the process and it's really what we like about it because we've done it both ways where we've had a designer design and then we would just build it. And we've done, you know, more so uh, from from beginning to end. So, which we like a lot better because we're a lot more involved in the constructability and cost early on. And then we, we have a lot more creative control, which uh, we like to, we like to get in on. Oh, I totally get it. I mean, the, the more it's integrated and the more control you have, I think it's usually more seamless, uh, usually a better value and just mm-hmm. less things being miscommunicated that, you know, you're doing versus another vendor because the things fall through the cracks. All right. So, um, People have the budget to build an ADU. They talk to you. They do preliminary like zone check. And at that point, then it's time for the schematic drawing. Exactly. And you said that's usually a couple thousand dollars. Kind of depends on the size of the project. So exactly. can you kind of give us some major buckets here? Because I think, you know, Stacey and I were talking about before. It's, you know, hey, building a new place. It's converting a garage to an ADU or building uh, a garage with ADU on top, I think are three common ones I hear. Mm-hmm. But what what do you hear and kind of give some breakdowns if you could? Yeah, so across the board, we get, we get a lot of conversions because people think that that's the cheapest and, and dirtiest way to do it, which in some aspects are. Um, but the we get you talking about garage conversions. Garage conversions. Go and talk about yeah. that because this is something that we're very interested in. <laughs> yeah, garage conversions, and we've done one down in the springs, um, which was which was fun. It was a great experience. Uh, it was. Are you gonna the, do? Would you do one again? Uh, we would, but <laughs> we, you know, it's from a from from a budget perspective, it's it's hard to make sense of just not scraping it and building a new one because by the time you 
tear out existing drywall, insulation, deal with some structural issues, deal with um, the existing structure needs to be insulated around the foundation. There's so many aspects that per code need to be addressed that by the time you're done with it, it was like, man, maybe we saved a couple thousand dollars. Really? Yeah. And, and that, that was just, you know, the first one that we did. It might work in some cases, but it's a little bit more volatile when you're talking about remodeling because there's just so much more that Denver requires in terms of uh, things that you have to go back and dig up the ground and mm. dig out or tear open walls or address structural concerns in the existing structure. And it, it so really the one that you up. did was that was just a straight conversion mm -hmm. of the garage into basically a living space. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess I get the question a lot of, well, can I just put an apartment on top of my existing garage? So, so yeah, that is probably the one that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because uh, the biggest thing with garages, we've actually, we're, we're under contract for design for one in Arvada right now. And that one is actually an odd, an oddity because it's, it actually has a foundation. So typically a garage is poured on a slab. So a slab is three inches, three, four inches thick. Um, to carry the weight of a second story, you need a foundation that goes all the way down to frost with a footer and a lot of, uh, you know, bear that second story because that adds a lot of weight to the structure. If it's just the first floor, you can just, it's on a pad, you know, the weight's distributed on the ground. You're not trying to carry all those loads into the foundation walls. So that is the biggest, um, I think, misunderstanding with clients is that they think that, oh, just build up, but you need that solidified foundation to make it work. Luckily, the clients in Arvada, they've got a stem wall foundation, which is that foundation that goes all the way down three feet, but it doesn't have a footer. So it doesn't have a spread footing, which is a large, you know, just imagine yourself pushing down on soil or pushing down with your hand on soil. It mm -hmm. distributes the weight. Mm -hmm. So with that one, we're getting creative and doing helical piers. So we're doing giant corkscrews that attach to the foundation that allow it to carry that second story. It, but that wouldn't be uh, something you could do on a slab. No, you could not do that on a slab. Okay, so yeah. that's typically a garage is built on a slab. Yeah. And so you're you're just not able to put that second story. You have to start over. Exactly. And you can't yeah. reinforce the slab or you just have to. You can, but it's by the time you're done, it's, you might as well have just built a new structure. Okay. Yeah. So for the vast majority of garages around, I mean, Denver, or I guess the front range, they're on slab and usually can't throw a second story on top is the good rule of thumb to keep in mind. Yeah. That's a pretty solid rule of thumb. Okay. Sure. And I'd be curious. I don't know what you can share from like the, the Colorado Springs, uh, garage conversion. Um, was that a two car garage? Like how big was the space that you converted? It was a two car. Okay. Mm -hmm. So two car garage and what'd you convert it to in terms of AD? Like how many bedrooms? What was the living space like? It was a studio. Okay. Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty big studio. Um, it was like probably like a 22 by 22. Okay. And overall, like what numbers can you share with us? Cause you said by the time I was all converted and all that, like it probably saved, I mean, like 5%, 20%, 30% below just to knock down a new build. So in comparison, we, we did a new build, um, similar size cottage in Colorado Springs. And that one was probably somewhere around 130, okay. 40. Um, but that that's the Springs mind you. So you're probably talking about more like 150 up here. 
Uh, Why is it just is labor? Labor's more expensive up here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I used to actually when I first moved the company up here, I was using my subs down the springs because they were just so much more cost effective. Oh, okay. But logistics, it's it's hard (laughs) because time and all that. So we we've started to kind of use more more Denver subs, but um but yeah so i'd say it's a little bit more expensive to build up here so 150 for a new adu uh cottage 20 22 by 22 adu that conversion if you if everything's great you don't really have to uh do crazy structural uh, meet crazy crazy structural concerns i'd say you probably could get it done for 120 to 130 maybe okay. maybe 20, 20 but most likely less. you open up something and you run into some issue and it's about the same yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah. the biggest thing is like the garages in order to bring them up to energy code the slabs need to be insulated so you need to dig down next to the structure and put in insulation which is a whole bunch of excavation costs how deep is that you there's a couple ways you can do it but typically you go down three feet or uh or they do allow, I think, shallow frost protected uh, foundations. So I think you can do a foot to two feet. Okay, so it's pretty. It's pretty yeah. deep, though. Yeah. yeah. Either way. Um, um. So, okay, and I'm I'm trying to keep someone on the outline because I want to kind of keep the process on. I, I know mm-hmm. we're jumping around. This is this. But those is are two stuff. of our biggest questions yeah. to get out of the way for so. sure. <laughs> um. Okay. So we do that initial schematic design for a few thousand dollars. What's the typical turnaround? turnaround time like that first like check out my site and i say cool here's you know you say it's a few three grand or whatever it is to do this what's that look like it depends it's pretty quick but it depends on what time of year if you're if you meet us during the winter time during our slower months where we don't have as much backlog uh could be a week or two uh if we're in the heat of the summer where we've got a lot of backlog could be you know two to four weeks okay something like that and then once you we get those plans, what what are we doing now as far as like next steps in the ADU design yes. build? So part of the schematic design, uh, we usually have an iteration. So we'll we'll put together a rough schematic, and then if there's anything that the client wants to change, and they can make those changes, or we can make some suggested changes. And then from that, we put together a preliminary um, estimated cost to build. So that's another reason why I like our process is because we sh- we show real numbers from historic data early on instead of an architect that really doesn't have a lot of pricing experience kind of throws a number at it. Yeah. Um, so that that process is, yeah, schematic design, estimated cost to construct. If everything's still a green light, client's happy about that price, um, great. If not, we can go back and do a little bit of redesign to try to bring that cost down and then move forward again estimate that and then go to permit drawings and what's the typical like time frame you know through that that part of the process i'd say right in line with that you know maybe a week or two on top of that so you know if it was you know not our busy season month all in busy season month and a half to okay. to get to that estimated step so that's so we're saying like a month and a half of pre-work before you would and then it you submit for permits or what so then the it goes then it goes to uh permit drawings so permit drawings okay. yeah so with uh with denver they require you know 
a lot of documentation in terms of if you're building a new structure, you need a soils report. So we need to have soils come out and that can take up to a month. Um, surveyor potentially, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure Denver always requires a surveyor on a, on a new structure because they want to make sure you're not building this thing on somebody else's property Mm -hmm. or too close to their property. So Denver requires uh, a survey as well. And then we take those conceptual drawings, we turn them into, uh, submittable permit drawings. Um, so architectural drawings, and then we work really closely with an art or a structural firm and we, we give our drawings to the structural firm. They put together their own structural drawings for, for the building. And then with all of that, we've got just probably eight or 10, eight to 10 documents that we need to submit to the city. And that process of gathering all of those documents probably takes two to two to three months, something okay. like that. Okay. Um, and then we submit for permit. So it, it's a it's a pretty pretty lengthy process. Um, and so you're mentioning you know using Denver a lot. So you know Denver County, um, the other counties in the Denver metro area. You know Douglas, Jeffco, Arapahoe, Adams, those guys. Is it pretty similar processes as Denver? Is it about the same, better or worse? Just give some context. Denver is the worst for sure. (laughs) (laughs) As much as I love Denver, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot, it's a big municipality. So they've got a big bureaucratic process, not maybe not bureaucratic process, but you know, it's, it's just, they've got a lot of steps involved and they take longer. They take longer. And the, they're just so overwhelmed with permitting all the time is that they're so backlogged. I mean, I've got small additions that are taking months and months to to get permit on. Wow. Um, so you throw an ADU in the mix. I think the last one we did, maybe took like six to seven months to do the whole process of permitting. So, okay, you know, because I'd say in, in totality, I'd say Denver is about six to eight months in permitting. Could even, depending on if we're going through a zoning change, could be even a year. Um, so is that... When you say permitting, that's before you can start building? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. wow. So yeah. this is from when you, you got all those plans, you got soil, structure, reports, all the other, you know, people you talked about in there. When you submit that, that's when that six to nine month clock usually ticks. No, I'd, I'd say that includes that, that the drawings as okay. well. Okay. Um, but depending on how bogged down the city is, because they're, I think the review period for an ADU is two months. Uh, that could be wrong. Maybe it's a month and a half, but they've got a set length for certain size jobs that they give themselves to review it. And they're running three to four weeks behind that. Okay. So, so we could be two to two plus months for the first review. And then we've, you know, they always have comments and then we update those drawings and then we have to resubmit. So that's another probably month on top of that. So four to six months in just you know, permitting. Okay. I had a question about um, what's something that maybe as a consumer, you know, that we should be thinking about in building an ADU kind of, I know there's a lot, they have a lot of um, kind of rules around how they want the ADUs built the city. And so I was just trying to think um, maybe you would have more in-depth detail on what's something that me as a consumer wouldn't really think about that I should be aware of when building an ADU. There's, yeah, that technically your structure needs to match your existing 
home. Okay. Uh, I've seen Denver is a little a little weird about, and it could vary municipality to municipality, but Denver it needs a tie into the existing structure, so you don't have this super modern uh, ADU and then very craftsman style early mm-hmm. 1900s home. Okay. And I've seen them kind of branch away from that a little bit. And maybe there's some loopholes that that people have gotten around with that. Uh, But, but yeah, that's a big thing is like keeping the, keeping the feel of your existing home uh, and, and really making sure you know how big you can build it. That was going to be my next question. (laughs) Yeah. How big can I build it? (laughs) Yeah. Which is, which is the age. Like it, I get that so off because they want, you know, more rooms, more rentable space, uh, and it, it depends again, mm-hmm. it's, it's based on the size of your lots. It's based on how much coverage you have on your lot existing. When you say coverage, what does that mean? So building coverage. So depending on how like physical structure, physical structure. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Not sidewalks or anything like that. That's not included. It's just, um, just the structure. So, so would that be like a shed or another garage or yeah another garage i don't know if shed falls into that category but i'd have okay. to look at the zoning but for and it, it's such a small you know it if it's a huge shed it probably does i mean <laughs> if it's a small shed it's probably minuscule it doesn't really play into those numbers at all is there like a rough rule of thumb as far as like the percent of the lot that they allow for coverage or like a maximum amount there's t- i think there's two different um rules of thumb in denver for that and one is 50 percent mm-hmm and then the other one, I, I thought it was like 65 or maybe it's, maybe it's less, but I think the main one is 50%. 50% I've heard before. Yeah. And that's just for total like coverage. Know, okay. Yeah. So if keep it somehow a 10,000 square foot lot, you can only um, build maximum f- about 5,000 mm-hmm. for, for house and AD or one giant house or whatever way I do it. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then what about like setbacks? Um, and I know I've talked to some people, you know, setbacks have come to play and then some people can do two stories. Some can't. Like, yeah. It's all, how's all that. Or is- the biggest, the, the easiest way to look at it is, and I, yeah, through the years of learning from the, the plan reviewers, the easiest way they laid it out for me is just look at your neighborhood and see what they're building. And if, if they're building single family homes, then you know it's it's your setbacks are probably a little bit tighter and your size of structures a little bit more constrained if you're near colfax and it's a little bit more mixed use and you're right on that same you know high high density part of the area then you probably can build a lot a lot of that area out so we just did one in sloan's lake that's half a block away from colfax and we but we're busting at the seams. We've got we've got we we were able to do a two story structure with a rooftop deck and oh wow yeah and that's the biggest thing is that there are certain thing certain codes that don't allow you to build a rooftop deck but since we're in a mixed or multiple um, multi unit neighborhood we can do that rooftop on an ADU deck. on an ADU oh my yeah. gosh I've never seen ADU yeah with, that's with awesome two story with the rooftop deck yeah it's when, when's it's the really uh, cool. housewarming party there yeah. <laughs> Uh, this Halloween, <laughs> right. Halloween party. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, that was the biggest question. Cause one of the, 
biggest things I heard at one of Denver's ADU meetings was you can't do a rooftop on an ADU. So I had that in the back of my mind. And just like a blanket statement as well? Yeah, okay. yeah. Blanket statement. And I went to another plan reviewer and he's like, that, that's not 100% true because it depends on your zoning. And if you're in multi-unit that, or, you know, higher density multi-unit, then you can do that rooftop deck. Yeah. So just trying to find those little little loopholes. <laughs> it's so nuanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about utilities? Because I've heard, I was talking with someone I'm going to kind of jumble a few questions or uh, someone where they had a double whammy. They had an Excel pole on the back of their lot, which caused issues with, you know, working around that and they had to move it slightly. And then also like sewer hookups. I've heard some horror stories about sewer hookups or them not being done correctly. So how does utilities work into building ADU and like what are the considerations and costs around that? So it's pretty, it's a pretty significant cost. That's probably one of the first costs that I make people aware of. Cause even if you're doing a conversion and you're trying to keep that budget down really low, just the tap to add water and sewer to the structure is over $6,000. So not, you're not you're getting, talking about just the tap at the, at the, uh, just at to, the city, just line. to add service to a second unit, a second dwelling unit, they charge you like over six grand. Do they, is it actually like a, a separate tap in the city or can they just piggyback off the, the it's the same tap. Yeah. Okay. It's the same tap. They just but they consider it. You. Yeah. Okay. They consider, and it's considerable, considerable because in the Springs, I remember the tap being like $2,000. And Denver, it's three times that. So mm. just those are the those are the costs, you know, considerations when you're thinking about other municipalities versus so, Denver. And when for the ADU, you tap into the current homes line. Is yep. that correct? Yeah, exactly. you don't make a separate one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you, you even, still have to trench back or connect it somehow, right? Or yeah. What's, okay. Exactly. So you typically you just for the water, you go tie back into the existing house wherever the main water line is, and then sewer. Usually the sewers are going through the backyard. And a lot of them are potentially underneath the existing garage or are going to be underneath the new ADU. So you're going to have to rip it out anyways, especially if it's clay. And they require a schedule 40, uh, which is a higher, you know, higher um, strength PVC. So you're going to rip that out anyways, and then add a new line and then add in your, your new line to that. So you tap right into it. How's it work for like Excel hookup with gas and electricity? It's so same thing with gas. You tie back into the existing structure. Okay. Uh, you can you can do electricity many ways. Uh, one way was depending on where your ADU sits. Usually your service comes in through the alley. So the last one we did, we tapped in through with a main panel on the on the ADU. And then we did underground back to the main structure. And then, so the main structure is actually technically considered a sub panel mm-hmm. because, you oh. know, the main panel is on the ADU. And then you, there's one giant uh, breaker to go back to the main house. Okay. So. so it sounds like gas and electricity, pretty easy to deal with and not a huge cost, but it's more just the water the water tap is the expensive one. Yeah, for okay. sure. And, and it's still a significant cost. Um, I'd say for for a new service panel, just on any of our projects, whether it's an addition or or what have you, if we're, we need to do a new panel for whatever reason, it's probably about four grand for you know, it range. I think my electricians give me a quote between thirty five and four 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 thousand sure. dollars. 
And then um, in the, um, I guess, I don't know, it's just permanent resign, um, how do historic districts come in here? Because I've talked to a few people who've been in historic parts of town, mm-hmm. and it's that's a whole different ballgame. Well, it seems yep. also that's where a lot of the ADU zoning is, is in those areas. Yeah. So, Yeah, I actually work hand-in-hand uh, hand with uh, a designer in, in called Nagy Design. She works... Uh, she's, she does some of our drawings whenever we're overloaded and we, she's doing a historic district ADU right now, uh, over, I think in East, uh, Denver and they're going through, jumping through hoops, trying to figure out how to get an ADU in there because they're still even further back than the rest of Denver because there's certain areas that they're like, we're historic. We don't let a lot of, let a lot of things fly. But Denver has, you know, these rules in place that are allowing them. So they're jumping through a lot of hoops and trying to figure out, okay, how how does this the historic districts talking about how does this fit into the neighborhood? How do we make it look uh, that it's like it's not impeding on the other structures and do it in a way that is you know cohesive to the neighborhood? So it's it's a long process. I mean, I think they've been in historic review for just they're doing the, it's a two-part project they're doing a pop top and a adu oh wow so they're doing a separate you know separate project right next to each other in two phases and just for the pop top i think they've been in historic review for probably five months something like that so, so that's just another layer of <laughs> it's before even permit drawings get you know they, they still have to p- submit to the city so that's like so that's before the permit submission exactly okay. so that's that could be i mean that could turn a six to eight month permitting process to a year year and a half something like that wow so, okay um something to consider so as we're you know doing all the one last question the permit prep all the drawings all that stuff it, what's the general like cost of that, or is that just kind of lumped in the overall like cost of the project? Sorry, well, like all again. the work. I'm, I'm I'm jumping back a few minutes here. You were saying, you know, we're getting up to the point where um, you've got all the entire team, the structural team, mm-hmm. um, everything has their drawings. You're getting ready to submit it to Denver or whatever county you're in for their permit review. What's the general ballpark cost on all that prep work, or is that just lumped into the overall like cost they do at this point? Yeah, so typically, and again, it depends on size of projects and uh, complexity, but we've been anywhere from 10 to 15K all okay. in on design. And that's before you start building. Mm-hmm. And I just had one follow up question too on we talked about how it's seems and is typically easier outside of the city of Denver. Um, but our, cause I know not all municipalities allow ADUs. Mm-hmm. So it just still really depends on kind of where you are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Aurora is still way, way back in the, in the, they haven't even, I think they've talked about it, but I don't think they've, they've done anything about approving ADUs, but mm-hmm. It seems like everybody's following suit. Like Arvada's got their own uh, their own rules for it. Golden's got their own rules for it. Um, yeah, there's. I think Lakewood does too. Denver's definitely taking the charge on it. Colorado Springs has their own rules, and they're kind of changing things with short term rentals because of the huge blow up in ADUs. So mm-hmm. 
So it's ever evolving. And I think it's just going to allow, they're just going to eventually allow more and more because of the the density issues and housing issues that we have in Denver. So, so um, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but the Springs, we have a lot of investor, investors here in Denver. They invest in the Springs just between the lower purchase price and, and all that stuff. Um, but you said the Springs is pretty pretty good on rules and working with in terms of building ADUs? As of, I know that they've been changing their short-term rental uh, laws and all of that. I haven't, we haven't built one down there in a couple of years now, so it, things might have changed. Okay. But as of then, it was very, yeah, it was very simple to to figure out if you could build an ADU, how big it could be, or you know where where you could build it, uh, there it's they're a little bit more cut and dry than than Denver. All right, so we have all the information here, all the plans. We submit it to Denver, or wherever, or I guess you would submit it, you know, to Denver on our behalf. Um, and then while they're reviewing it, are, are we doing anything, or is it just kind of like we're waiting around for their feedback and comments, and we are doing the dance? A lot of it is just. Uh, sit and wait, you know, uh, it's, it's a process. Uh, we try to feather in a little bit of prep work, whether that's honing in on the budget, uh, just kind of reaching out to, uh, during that, it's a great opportunity for us as the GC side of our company to reach out to subs and get hard, hardball numbers Mm -hmm. and figure kind of dial that budget, that preliminary budget into a more concrete, uh, budget that we can, we can be happy about and we've got enough safety net built into it because that's our biggest thing is that we don't want to be that contractor that tells you it's 150 and then it all of a sudden is 250. Yep. So, so we try to live and die by our estimates. So we take a lot of time and, and energy into finding those, those hard numbers. And then, all right. So whatever along Denver or what other municipality gets back, we get feedback, you make updates, we get the finish line and you get the permit issued. Is that when the building starts? Typically, uh, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, if it's the, the busy, busy season, it all depends on scheduling. Hopefully we'll have prepped enough. Um, if in that, in that busy season, wrangling subs, it's all about timing really, because if we're, we hit, hit it right, we'll hit the ground right in, running know there's there's probably to be safe there's usually about a week or two of of prep time just trying to make sure our subs are lined up we've got kind of everything phased out we've signed contract we've done all of those those like necessary things that everybody's happy about where we're going from there but yeah usually we like to as soon as we get that permit hit the ground running and and start excavation and utilities so what can be expected for a building timeline if all the stars are aligned so typically on a lot, so a two-story, the two-story ADU with the rooftop uh, took about eight months okay. uh, from, you know, we had to do the sewer line, we had to do all the utility work and all that. So, and that was mid-pandemic. So we're, it's it's hard to see, know what's reality and what's not. <laughs> we were waiting on cabinets for a little bit longer than what we, what we typically are used to. So yeah, I'd say a good range from small to big is six to eight months, something okay. like that. And then during that period, I mean, obviously you guys are doing the heavy lifting, you're doing the building on there. Um, what, like, what advice would you give people when they look at the building? We talk about the permitting. Now it comes time to build it. Like, what are your recommendations on material grades, finishes, layouts? Just 
all that stuff for when it actually comes into the structure itself on the interior. Yeah, I'd say that's where a lot of our clients get caught in the weeds is functionality of space and uh, finish level. So there's a lot of things that, you know, we we do our best to, and that's what I, we kind of pride ourselves on in this design build um, machine that we've created is uh, we really like to hone in on functionality because we have got a lot of experience in building tiny homes and making efficient uses, use of space and really like that, that, that flow in these smaller units. So we, we, we usually take care of that functionality aspect in design. So that's, that's something that we, we kind of take care of, but we also always like to talk to the clients about layout and all that, even during construction to make sure that we're still on the same page. And then finish wise is making sure our clients aren't, aren't in the weeds about making those selections. Because you can really blow your budget there. You can blow your budget. You can blow your schedule if you're not making selections in a timely manner. And that's something we've really gotten uh, better at because we we give a client a list of selections that they need to make at the start of the project, give them a due date, and they're allowed to make those selections like one at a time rather than like, oh my God, I got to make like 20 selections tomorrow on all these fixtures and whatnot. So that's, I think, the biggest thing for clients. And a lot of the time, and it varies person to person, but a lot of the time we either recommend take your time, go on Pinterest, do it yourself, save, save the money. If you're really overwhelmed and very indecisive, hire an interior designer. We know many, <laughs> we work with a lot and they, they are worth their weight in gold for peace of mind because you're throwing a lot of money into a unit they're going to rent. And, and they'll design and help design with like uh, materials. Plus yeah. Tile, color of paints, finished uh, sheen of paints, cabinet style, countertop color. What's the ballpark cost for an interior designer help with, you know, a typical ADU, you know, studio, one bedroom? I'd say a so, couple grand. Okay. Oh, that's very reasonable. Like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it can range based on, I think some of the smaller ones were 15 to two grand, 1500 to two grand. And then- yeah larger you know outfits could be more expensive than that yeah okay yeah i mean two grand that's very very reasonable Mm -hmm. um so during the construction process or the building process of there what are common hiccups setbacks curveballs that just can delay it a lot of these adus trying to make sure we have enough gas on the property. Uh, we have enough electrical feeding both structures. So that that's uh, really important to do early on. But the last one we did- What do you mean enough gas? Just like the, the pipe's big enough? So enough pressure, yeah. So enough service to the house. So that that can be an issue oh, early okay. on. Uh, not not huge in the scheme of things. Excel just needs to come out and install a bigger, bigger service. But those those things early on can be like, oh man. Yeah, we but gotta... still it's not the quickest uh, to come out and do things. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And those, you know, those are the kind of things you don't, we, we try to take care of early, but then if there's changes in design, such as our client, last client with the, the rooftop ADU wanted everything electric and didn't want to bring gas in to save a little bit of money and then had a hot tub, had electric baseboard backup heat, had mini split, had you know, all these added things that weren't originally in the scope. And then we're like in the 11th hour, like we need gas because we don't have enough electric. We either need more bigger service coming into the building for electric, or we need to add gas in. So that was a, that was a big last minute, uh, 
add on, but. Have you had any issues with access? Like, cause if it's on the back of the property, I imagine. That was my next thing is, is access is one of the hardest things on ADUs, especially because clients want to make them as big as possible. Um, and you know, get as much square footage out of it as, as possible because, and it makes sense because economy of scale in an ADU, it's why these things are so expensive is that you have zero economy of scale. So to gain at least way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> you have to gain at least a little bit of that economy, you know, you want to make this thing as big, big as possible. Right. And, uh, the last one that we did over on Sloan's Lake, we, we were, we were on a 25 foot lot. We, the structure, the existing house is a shotgun house, which took up the majority of the front yard. So we were literally on our side setbacks, our alley setback and our, you know, distance from the structure setback was, we were literally pulling tape measures at the, at the 11th hour, just like, okay, we're good. We're good. Let's, let's make sure Denver's not going to catch us on this because there there's, they, I mean, they come, their zoning guys come out and they have lasers and tape measures and make sure that you're abiding by those setbacks. And and when you're pushing it down to the inch, you're, you're sweating a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And, and another thing, the big thing about, um, it's just kind of a zoning n- zoning tidbit that is very useful. The, to, in order to gain, uh, more square footage than you're allowed, uh, or coverage, lot coverage, Denver allows you to, I think it's 80% of of the structure um that's is sitting there uh if you use if you use 80 percent of it for or half i think it's 50 percent for uh, garage so if you have two car garage underneath you're allowed to uh take more coverage because you're using it for parking and Den- parking in denver's you know premium especially oh, over okay. the years yeah, yeah. so they're trying to incentivize like hey let's not get rid of your garage. Let's build it on top so that, you know, everybody doesn't build an ADU with no garage and then everybody's parking on the street. Okay. So you, you're saying you can make it potentially a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. the, the building footprint, if you have the garage underneath. Exactly. Okay. And the, the kicker on that though, is that you need the one caveat is that you need to maintain 15 feet off of your existing structure. So you Ooh. can, so you need to so you, you can build bigger, but you still need to maintain that 15 feet off your main house. So then that, that's where we got in the situation where we're like literally on the sides, on the alleyway, and on the structure, we're like right there. Wow. Which which was yeah, tough. Really confine you with these ADUs. Yeah. And another <laughs> another thing, um, small tidbit is that Denver requires wider alleyways now compared to what they used to. So when we first submitted, we were expecting the structure to be X amount of feet long, but Denver's like, Hey, no, we want, we want our alleyways bigger. So they literally are taking a foot and a half from your property. Oh. Um, so we lost a in fo- terms of actually like eminent domain or just in terms of like setbacks in terms of I'm pretty sure in terms of eminent domain, they so actually, wow, they okay. actually are taking a foot and a half to make that alleyway wider so they can fit garbage trucks and all bigger cars and all that stuff mm. down there. So we actually lost a foot and a half 
length on our original wow. ADU size, which was oh, wonderful. a bit of a shame. <laughs> we still made it work. It's a great so space. You submitted the plans on there and they came back and said, hey, you can do this, but we're, we're taking a foot and a half away. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a huh. big thing, too, is just making sure that uh, Denver is not going to catch you on on that alleyway with. And because a lot of those older older alleyways in Denver are really narrow mm -hmm. and they're probably going to take that from you. <laughs> so build it out. It all gets finished and all that. Is it, um, does Denver come back out and I guess check it, issue a CO or like what's the final process you actually move in or rent it out? Yeah. So, you know, Denver's there throughout the whole process and for inspections and whatnot. Um, doing zoning and, you know, building inspections and electric, uh, plumbing, all that good stuff. And then we get a final inspection. We submit that card, we get that CO and, you're good to go. And then a big thing, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure you're, you know, you hear about it, but we just record a podcast on here regarding like financing with ADUs because, you know, financing gets a little trickier for building ADU than just buying a normal house. Um, do you have any comments on comments or tips or just general feedback from being around that niche on when ADU is finished, the bank sends out the appraiser to do the, you know, updated appraisal on there. Have any experience or tips around that aspect to help it make it work on the financing side? Or yeah, is that just out of your ballpark. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at eighty doing ADUs myself for my own property, so I'm always trying to get okay. in there and and see all that. Uh, but the the I'd say the biggest thing and the biggest shocker for clients is when that appraisal doesn't come back as you thought it would be, uh, because I don't think there's a good rule of thumb for appraisers and for example that we built that 550 uh square foot adu two-car garage rooftop deck we're thinking i'm friends with the owner and we're, we're got a realtor out there and he's like oh yeah 800 850 maybe maybe even pushing nine with with the existing 1200 for the total square. for both yeah houses. For, okay. for both houses and sloan's lake you know yeah. you've got two structures that's that's a fair assessment and I think it came back 770 or something like that. Ooh. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think, and it's, you know, we were a little freaked out at first. And I'd say that's probably the biggest thing for clients to understand is that just because it appraises that way, doesn't mean that's the way it's going to sell yeah. or that's, that's the value of it. Because I mean, he, I mean, he's been Airbnb being that ADU right now and he is making a killing. <laughs> and right. so like that, having that, you know, cash flow and knowing that it creates that cash flow and knowing that there are probably other people looking for that kind of cash flow, the value's there. Mm -hmm. So can you tell can you tell us on the rooftop one what were what was the cost on because that seems like a more high end build. That one was pushing um you know they he <laughs> love him to death he's my friend and he just very he was very big on finishes so he he was a client that wanted zip sheathing which is like high end exterior sheathing wanted waterproof subfloor so it didn't raise all that all those like bells and whistles through every bit of the process and even you know very nice shower and all that so it's definitely on the higher end and and it ended up putting a roof rooftop hot tub up there as well oh which yeah he uh he went above and beyond uh but he that one probably we we started out with initial budget of 
270 to 280, somewhere in that range, ended up being probably closer to three. Okay. Um, just because, again, those finishes, he just, every step of the way, it was like, uh, I want something a little nicer. Uh, I want <laughs> yeah. something a little nicer. Yeah. But Creeped I, up a little bit, huh? Yeah. And I think, you know, if you were budget conscious, you could probably get set, you know, and it still decent finishes, you could probably get that done for around 270, 280. Okay. So in terms of, as we wrap things up here, like what's like what's a big or key takeaway that you'd want to leave with all of our listeners, leave our listeners out there in terms of, hey, they want to build an ADU, what should they keep in mind or what can they do to avoid headache and hassle down the road? Just a big tip you can leave. Big tip, probably, I mean, budget, keeping budget in mind is, is a huge one. Um, and then not getting into the weeds about finishes. Now, if if, you, if this is going to be a short-term rental, do something nice. You can do LVP flooring, luxury vinyl plank flooring. Looks really nice. Dollar, you know, fifty a square foot I love for material. Stuff. Yeah, it looks. I want in my house. Like, yeah, I got dogs and kids. Like, make it yeah, yeah, good. exactly. And especially if it's short-term rental, you know, we use IKEA cabinets yeah. because if somebody scratches a face of a cabinet, just order it online from IKEA and pop the new one in. So you got to That's the if it's short-term rental, just make sure that you're keeping those budget-friendly, serviceable. Uh, finishes in mind and not only will it save you money but it'll save you a headache down the road too i think that's a really good tip like have in mind what is the use of this space mm -hmm. for your design yeah if it's for yourself and you want to do gold-plated tile or whatever then go to town <laughs> um phil this has been awesome so i know we talked about adus but i also know your firm does other stuff about adus what's the other types of construction and remodels that you do inside aside from ADUs? Yeah, we, we got our hands in a little bit of everything to keep ourselves diversified and always, you know, the market's always changing. So we like to keep, stay busy in, in many things. We do kitchen remodels, second floor additions. So pop tops, uh, garages here and there. Uh, and then master suite additions are, are usually a big one because people want that, that, uh, you know, walk in shower with the walk-in closet thing and a nice big bedroom with the, with the fireplace. So that's a, that's a, that's a big thing that we do as well. Is there any type of projects that you you don't do or don't want people calling you about or that's just not in your wheelhouse? <laughs> we, smaller projects, you know, we get a lot of calls about, you know, replacing doors here, there, just replacing flooring and all that. So we're kind of a larger outfit that, yeah. that we, we do larger GC projects and it's great. You know, every now and then we do smaller projects, but we're, we're kind of growing in the fact that we do, uh, we're trying to do more new construction. Yeah. We're trying to do a little bit more, uh, you know, larger scale stuff. Wonderful. And what's the best way for people to get a hold of you, Phil? PrenValleyBuilders.com. Uh, you can go on our website, check us out, and then there's a little um, uh, contact us card that you can fill out your project's information, and then that'll get shot over to us, and we'll we'll give you a shout. Awesome. Cool. Well, Phil, thank you so much. Thank I you know so you're much. busy. This was awesome. We yeah. learned a lot, and I will put all the contact details in it for people to reach on the website um, and get you that way. So thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.